0: I remember once preaching in the African bush, and uh, it was night, and to be honest, the the crowd uh, disappeared off into the blackness. You couldn't see past the fifth row, but there was hundreds of people out there. Then mid-preach, suddenly there was all this shouting, and uh, I didn't understand what was being said. Everybody shouted, there was commotion, people getting up, running around, all that kind of thing, and then somebody, my my interpreter, kind of strolled across and said, "Um, there's a snake in the meeting, they're just dealing with it. No, all the young men barefoot were s- snapping at this cobra and uh killed it at least we don't have snakes in the meeting amen so this is this ain't bad so um god's good amen and uh so i want to talk this morning a little bit about um the uh, discerning destiny understanding god's leading destiny is a uh, is a. Well, let me get into it. Give give us our first scripture, Simi. I haven't got my little clicker today. So Ephesians 2.10. Look at this. For we are God's work of art. Turn to someone next to you. Tell them, you're God's work of art. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God is making a work of art out of your life. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do. And, um, but when I think about God's will and how God works, I don't know about your preference, but my preference would be the next picture, Sim, if you could put it up for us. I think of the will of God like God is a divine architect. Now, does anybody like that idea? Now, I tell you what I like, and anybody on my side, straight lines. There's straight lines. Things are done, you know. You can see story upon story upon story. You, you, great symmetry. It's all beautifully drawn. But I've discovered that most of the time God doesn't operate like this. Anybody? Right? In fact, I, I, then I would go, well, maybe God is, is a kind of a detailed pen and ink. Give us the next picture. And I think, God, you know, it's just incredible. Intricate detail, but still, please, Lord, lots of straight lines. But I've discovered the will of God is like the next picture. (laughs) Picasso. A lot less straight lines than I'd imagine. Anybody with me? See, God has his ways, but you see, our... Our education system and, and therefore how we're taught to talk finds its history in, in Greek uh, culture and lots of lovely straight lines and organization, but God, well, he chose to come to the earth as a Jew, Full of passion and excitement and pictures and stories. And he doesn't talk about destiny in the terms of let me draw it to you like an architectural drawing. He talks about farms and virgins and light and oil and and fire and seasons and work. And In other words, um, God's a lot messier than we think. Now, I know you're going to quote to me, God is the God of order. Yes, but it comes from a completely different world than we think of when we think order. I've told you before. If I walk up to a, you know, a bank teller, and uh, you know they're at the counter, you don't do that very often these days, do you? All these ATMs, but you know, which I like because it's just you know pin, and it does the job, right? Straight lines. <laughs> I walk up to a bank teller. I've tidied the whole counter before I've left. <laughs> I deserve a tip to be honest, because I think they should be doing it, not me. I can't walk up to a desk and not tidy it for someone. I like, I, I like it organized. Anybody else like me? Because I like to know where everything is. I like to know what's going on. Preparation reduces stress. Anybody know what I mean? But then God is God. And he seems to paint like this. And he goes, let's put a bit of color here. Let's put some, Now, I think the will of God is rather like dot to dot. <laughs> Every now and then you get an anchor point that you go, right, I'm sure that's God. But the thing is, whereas I would draw the lines between the anchor points straight, he says, let's have a journey. <laughs> they don't have to be straight all the time. I like what in nature is straight. Very little. Even the horizon curves a little bit. Everything is shapes and patterns and colors. And and that's how God's looking at our lives. We want straight lines. Why? Essentially because we're fearful and broken in our human state. But the Father says color and beauty and shape and time. And what I want to do is open up. I've got 13 points this morning. Maybe we'll do four of them. I don't know. We'll see how we go because I'm sure I'll speak again in this lovely church. And... um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not speaking next week, no, I'm in Scotland next week Okay, well, the week after I think I'm on I want to talk about different aspects of destiny and because God doesn't always think like we think so I just figure well if I give you some clues and some ideas to how God approaches destiny sometimes it's easier to discern what's going on because sometimes I'm begging God for straight lines and he's, draw- he's taking his time drawing this wonderful curve so, just let me throw out some points, and we'll see how far we get with it. Is that okay? And, um, and then we'll, we'll pray, and let's just trust God to touch our hearts this morning. The first thing about destiny is you need to discern the season that you're in. God is a God of seasons. There are, there are times when we're growing. Jesus uh, submitted to his parents and grew up under them, learning. Everybody say, Learning. Oh, I don't like that. I don't know about you. The last test I ever wanted to take was my driving test. I don't want any more tests. Now. Or I, I'll tolerate an eye test, but beyond that, I don't want any more tests in my life. But God, God allows us to grow and to be tested. And even Jesus, at, at 12 years old, wanted to be about his father's business. But still, there were all these what theologians call the silent years when it seems that nothing was happening. Of course, lots was happening. He was growing He was learning. He was developing. And, you know, when you are in the developing season, no matter how hard you push, you can't push into the favor of fulfillment season. And in fact, the more you push, often the more you get held in your development season. So we need to discern what are the seasons, even when you step into fulfillment in life and you begin to step into some stuff that you may have dreamed about or heard about and you feel, I'm really in the things of God in my life right now. God can come along any time and say, it's time to winter. I just want a fallow season right now. I want you to sit back. Now, I don't know about you. I want to be busy. I'm getting older. Anyone else getting younger in the room? I'm getting older. I want to get on with it. But God says, just pause. You know, pausing is probably your greatest act of faith and worship. Just to say, God, I'm going to trust you in the weight. And here we got this great scripture from Isaiah. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he spoke in my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow. And listen to this, we don't like this. And concealed me. Everybody say Concealed. I don't, know, I don't like being hidden, but there are seasons in our lives when God hides us in the dark of a quiver. It goes on to talk about, you know, God uses, him. well, this is what you feel, verse four, I said, I've labored in vain, all this, and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere, anybody ever felt that? We need to trust God, because there's moments when he says, look, I can only do this in the dark. Actually, the bigger calling you have on your life, the more desperate you are to get on with it. Like I said, there was Jesus at 12 wanting to run into his destiny. Even when he's baptized at 30, the Holy Spirit says, right, off into the desert. I'd have been like, where do you think I've been for 30 years and you're sending me back to the desert? I want to get on with it. I want to be about my father's business. But there are times when God's just saying, just wait, just keep growing. Billy Graham said near the end of his life, he said, you know what? The usual question, what do you wish you'd done different? He said two things. I wish I'd spent a lot more time with my kids. And he said this, I wish I'd prepared more and done less. We're so desperate. Why? I think sometimes we want to prove our usefulness by fruitfulness. You don't need to be fruitful to prove that you're loved and worthy. You've got to start from being loved i said it before, before Jesus did a thing, his father said, I'm pleased with you. It was at the start, you not done a thing. Not healed anyone, not raised anyone from the dead, not preached a single sermon that we know of, and the father said, I'm pleased with you. Pleased with us has to be our starting point. Until you really get God loves me, sometimes he simply won't let you loose on destiny because you'll be using destiny to find Approval. And that's not what your destiny is for. Your destiny is to serve somebody. That went down great. <laughs> Discern the seasons. Know the time you're in, because if you fight it, you end up missing it. Amen? Amen. God's like Picasso. Oh, boy. Do, do the next one. Let me do some old phrases. I'll do them really quick, because you might have heard me preach on these before. You'll find that God in your life it's like this, the divine masquerades as the mundane. Look at this scripture. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. God often comes and he says, right, I want to see you faithful with this little thing before I give you the big thing. And, but what we need to realize is the little things lead to the big things. Well, this job in McDonald's, don't really want it. I'm going to turn up late. Not going to get trained properly. I'm not going to show any initiative. And this is what we think. When it happens, then I'll live a great life. I'll turn up on time. I'll be the best employee when I've got a great job. I'm going to be amazing one day, but we don't want to be amazing today. What we don't realize is that God is behind those small beginnings saying, okay, show yourself. Okay, right now, I'm going to give you 100 pounds a week. Show me what you do with it, then I'll give you 200. Show me what you do with that, and I'll give you 300. When you're faithful with a small, he gives you more. If you don't tithe your pocket money, you'll probably never tithe your pay packet. If you don't tithe your dole, you'll probably never tithe your wage. Because God's just watching, how are you with stuff? Does stuff have you, or do you have stuff? And so the divine masquerades as incredibly mundane things. Literally, how you talk to a child, how you talk to a waitress, how you interact with people, how you honor fathers. This is the hard one. How you honor people you don't like will define you. Because honor shouldn't be, or dishonor shouldn't be, um, the result of how someone else behaves. If you are an honorable person ready for destiny, you can put you anywhere. Like Joseph in a pit and in a prison and in Potiphar's house and then one day prime minister, he's, just, he's got a buoyant heart, he's just going to rise. Why? Because what's in me is what's going to make me. And those early years in our lives is we're just becoming. We're becoming. And so the divine masquerades as the mundane. Um, let's do the next one. Grace is so powerful. I like this. That plan B can be greater than plan A. Everybody say, Yabba Dabba Do. Come on. I I love that. See, God's clever. We think we confuse Him when we fail. Now, I am not for one moment advocating sin. But listen, if you've lived a bit, you'll realize life sometimes gets messy. Right? And you find yourself. Not married to the person you thought you'd be. You find yourself not in the city where you thought you were called to. You find yourself not in the church where you thought you'd be. Not with the job that you thought he'd give you. You muck up along the way. You foul up along the way. Something happens. But listen, when you walk with God, plan B can still be greater. This is the greatness of the cross. You don't have to live in second-class Christianity. The whole point of the gospel is he forgives us. Back to that word a buoyant heart. If you look at the stories of Saul and David, as far as I'm concerned, Saul's sins were a lot less gratuitous and, and, and awful than David's were. How come David had the buoyant heart that rose back to the favor of God? David's response was this to his sin. Have mercy on me. Saul's was, well, you didn't turn up on time. David's was, oh, have mercy on me. If you want a heart that just keeps rising to the goodness of God, the humility within us can't hold us down. It lifts us up into the favor of God again. If you look at Abraham, wavering all over the time, all over the place, making mistakes, but still running after the things of God. You look at David. You look at people that fail through the scriptures. You'll find time and again, if we're soft-hearted towards God, we're lifted again and again. And plan B can be played greater than plan A. We know that God's plan A was not to have a king over Israel, but the people wanted a king, so they went to plan B, okay, you can have a king. His name was Saul. Saul failed, so we go to plan C. Let's find David, a man after my own heart. So we're on plan C. David was plan C, but over here, Jesus was called the son of David, the son of plan C, the son of a bit of a mess. We think of the 12 tribes of Israel, we think, you know, we think it's, it's like some, some really... Nice family. We can imagine, you know, we're going to make them American. Thanksgiving. And there you've got these 12 brothers. No, 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 no. They were stepbrothers by about five or six different women. It was a mess. And God said, right, my kids, I'm going to make something of you. Plan B can be greater than plan A. If we're used to falling on our faces and saying, you are God, I'm not saying for one minute we organize sin. I don't think most well-meaning people do that. But I know this, you look back and you go, what on earth have I done? But this is the greatness of God. God said, I tell you what, let me show you what redemption is all about. The whole, the whole Israelite nation, the whole system of law was designed for this. Every now and then, let's set all the slaves free. Every now and then, let's wipe out all debt. So every few years, you're going to have a fresh start. Yabba. Dab-a-doo. Plan B can be greater than Plan A. Go to the next slide. God has provided before you even know you had need. 1 Peter 1 He was chosen before the creation of the world, but it was revealed in His last time for your sake. Even before Adam sinned, God had sorted out all that needed to happen for us to be free from sin. Wow. You see, we're living a timeline. God isn't. Listen to me really carefully. Right now, it's the best language I can use, he is living your tomorrow. Right now, God is in your retirement. Can I really trouble our nice, tidy minds? Right now, God is in your eternity. This is why he's able to say, um, don't worry about tomorrow. He's speaking from tomorrow. So I'm already here. I sorted it out. I got you the wage rise, I got that sorted, I got the healing sorted, I looked after you, I comforted you, I brought that into your life. I I, I managed to get you through that. Why? Because I'm already in tomorrow. He establishes provision before we ever have need. Isn't that incredible? Let's do a few that I've probably never done before. Let's go to the next slide. God leaves things for you to conquer just to make you strong. You know, there's stuff in your life that you think, why is this happening? What have I done? What's the devil done? Is it God's will? I don't know. Those confusing things that conflict us. Understand this. Judges 3, 1 to 2. These are the nations talking about Israel as they come into the promised land. These are the nations... That the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach them warfare, to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. God puts stuff in your life just to make you battle hardened, He puts bosses in your life. He puts you in certain churches, gives you certain relational conflicts. Why? Just to make you strong and clean. In Zulu tradition, they, they, they make the young men sleep on the edge of the camp near the wild animals. And one Zulu chief was asked, why do you do that? And he said, just to keep them strong, just to keep them brave. There's stuff in our lives that God leaves so that we become brave. What's going on in your life right now where God is saying, that's just there to make you brave? You know that person and you're just praying, God, just, just remove them. Anybody ever pray that? <laughs> and, and you hear they've moved, and you know, and, and you know. Sometimes you go, Oh, hallelujah! Oh, what a shame! <laughs> Anybody got that boss at work? Oh, really? Oh, really? They fell over, and oh, did they? Oh, what a shame! And the ambulance? To, oh, really? Oh, oh, really? What a shame! But then there's some that <laughs> God just never moves. Anybody, ever? right? And he's going, I'm leaving them there for you. Oh, that's not fair, God. We, we kind of got this thing that I deserve a peaceful life. I deserve straight lines. And God's going, no, 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 I'm, I, let me give you a curveball here. They're doing something in you. Likelihood is is you're doing something in them too. But they're doing something in you to make you stronger. See, it's sometimes it's stuff outside of us, sometimes it's stuff inside of us. I remember being in, in South Africa. You've heard me, many of you talk about Rita, an amazing prophetess in South Africa. And we were staying on her game reserve. And one day they were getting a helicopter and chasing wildebeest into, they created like a funnel shape. And they chased them to get them onto this lorry. And so we were, we were down on the ground, essentially just stood by the side of this funnel area, large, it was a large area. And, and, and you could hear after a while these hooves and the thunder of, of uh, probably about 80 wildebeest thundering towards us with this little helicopter like out of Tintin, just zooming around behind them, and you're like, ah! and they're coming to, and all they, all they were using to shift things was fear. They just drove in behind, and they could corral those wildebeest anywhere through fear. If you don't deal with the inner world of fear in your life, it doesn't matter what dreams you have, the enemy can corral you anywhere. And so up comes a fear and you run that way. And up comes a fear over here, so you run that way. And the enemy has control of our internal world. But then God says, no, 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 I'm going to leave you stuff to conquer. You've got to overcome that. Why? Because you need to learn how to become a soldier. I don't want you weak. I don't want you wimpy. Learn how to be strong. Learn how to fight. I'm going to leave people in your life. and I'm going to leave stuff for you to deal with. Isolate insecurity, I love this phrase, or it will isolate you. Listen to that. A lot of lonely people are lonely because of fear, not because there's not people around to relate to. If you don't isolate insecurity, it will isolate you. This come, that, that saying is from a man called Paul Dijon, great guy, and he's a leader probably... I'll probably never meet him, so it doesn't matter saying, probably in his 60s, 70s, I don't know, something like that. And he, he he's got to later life and discovered, Do you know what, I'm 60 now, I think I've given up on the idea that insecurity will ever go away. I think I'm going to have to isolate it or it's going to isolate me from my destiny. I cannot live by fear. I cannot live dreaming that, well, one day, hopefully, it will just go away. No, I'm going to have to act, and in the words of Paul, take every thought captive. I'm going to have to isolate those thoughts within me. I'm going to have to choose to not believe everything I think, and I'm going to learn to live by faith. And listen, God is going to let... Fearful things come your way to put your fear in your face. So you go, right, let's deal with you, monster. I refuse to be corralled and isolated by my inner fears. So why do some things come up in our lives? Not everything, but some things come in our lives and we go, fearful. You know, some financial times, they get harder until we get a grip in a godly way on our finances. And while we want to stick our heads in the sands and go, I don't want to think about it, don't want to talk about it. It just keeps coming up and coming up, right, until we deal with it. He leaves stuff in your lives to conquer. Let's do the next one. God only tells you enough to move you in the right direction. Anybody ever notice that? I know in some things you get the end from the beginning, usually in that kind of big picture way in life if you're a visionary or a a pioneer. Look at these two scriptures. It's not Isaiah, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. In other words, Abraham, just start moving. Isaiah 30:21. whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I don't know about you, I wish God would give me the structured plan from the beginning. Right, year one, we're going to do this. Right, and Jared, year two, we're going to do this. And year three, we're going to do that. But instead he goes, start moving, I'm right here. Now I've got an inkling as to why. Because if God told me everything, I'd go, thank you for the plan, I'm off now. Who needs intimacy? But when you need the voice of the planner, see, a lot of life God is trying to keep us intimate. How many times have you heard the story? In my kind of world, quite a lot of busy people. I'm busy, but but I'm busy, but there's so much to do. But I feel a call to intimacy with God, but I'm busy, and there's so much to do, and there's so much to do, but I'm busy. And then one day after God's touched their heart again and again, but they've stayed with the busy instead of the intimate, you usually find something goes on that leaves them flat on their back for a few months going, I think God had to get me here to slow down. And I got intimate with God. I'd always rather do it with the voice than through crisis. But you've got to understand, right at the top of God's agenda is, I want to be close to you. So, it, for many of us who were the personality that would run off with the plan and leave God in, the, <laughs> in our dust, He says, I'm going to talk to you bit by bit, and lead you piece by piece. Abraham, go, and we learn along the way. Let's do another one. Next one. God speaks a second time and a third. Look at these two verses from Genesis 22. It's the, the testing of Abraham. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. And then Genesis 22, the angel of the law called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. Now hang on a minute, you said sacrifice him. Then you say, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Understand in life, and I think Pentecostals are sometimes bad at this, God speaks a second time. Sometimes I feel like we get one concept or phrase or dream from God. You know, I, I feel like I should plant a church in Malaysia. Somebody tells me when they're 40. And then I meet them again when they're 50. I still feel God said, plant a church in Malaysia. Then I meet them when they're 60. I still feel like one day I'm going to plant a church in Malaysia. Then they're 70. Oh, Malaysia. One day, one, one day, Malaysia. 80, oh, I still feel like I'm going to plant a church in Malaysia. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. By the end of it, they're lying flat on their back in bed, can't even reach the end of the garden path, and they're going, Malaysia. We miss it because we don't go back and say, God, speak again. Sometimes he even says... Okay, you've missed that, 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 that mission now. I'm going to take you over here instead. We need to keep coming back. Sometimes I think because perhaps at times and seasons we lack intimacy in our lives, we're living off prophetic words of 40 years ago, and we're still going to God, one day you'll do this. It ain't never going to happen. You can't reach the end of the path. You can't reach your garden gate. You need to go back to God and say, God, you need to speak again. I need a fresh revelation. I need to hear your voice for today. Sharon Stone said it at our leaders conference, and it's a radical thing for Pentecostals. Some of us need to admit that word, somehow along the way, I've missed it, and I need to hear God again. And in fact, I need to let that word go And let God speak fresh. Today's voice into this situation. If not, we make an idol of something he said 40 years ago. And we just don't know what to do with it. It is quite okay to go back to God and say, God, you need to speak again. You need to speak a second. I remember being in a massive conference with a prophet. and He he spoke about this message with Abraham. And he just said, you've got to understand. If you're going to walk with God, God speaks a second time. Some in this room need to hear God's voice again. Need to hear him speak. And go, right, God, what's the, what's the alive word? I've, I've got some stuff in me from 30 years ago. And I've got it in my little book, and I've got it all listed down. But I'd be a nut just to live with that and go, right, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep repeating that one. No, God, speak again into my world. Speak again into my world. Um, Simi go go for we're going to do the next really quickly no move on move on move on move on yeah move on that's a tough one. You can do the right thing and still have God against you. Because you're doing the word but you're not doing the heart of God. So I'm doing what he said. You do it proud. you got God resisting his own plan because your heart is wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Stuart, you can come and repent now if you want to. I think it's falling over there, you know. That's an amazing thought. You know, sometimes in life, we're just, well, I turned up, didn't I? That's not destiny. It's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. It's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. Right? He's out to do something in our hearts. Amen? So we've got to take the, the internal journey, not just the actions of what he said, we have to take the internal dream. And sometimes the reason the activity of our dreams isn't happening is because the internals of our dreams aren't cooperating. A, 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 lot, of, a lot of people that hear God on their own, and in fact, let's, let's go there. Get, do the next one, Simi, let's see what we got. Here you go. A lot of what we dream in isolation, we don't realize there's going to be a lot of change before it comes true. And one of the most common ones with visionaries, so people of my sort of personality, pioneers, is what you dream in isolation, you don't realize it will be fulfilled in community. When we dream, usually someone like me, you you see yourself at the center of what God's doing, because that's how dreams work. You're always at the center of it. You're always involved, and it's always... Usually you're seeing your bit. But we have to realize through the process that actually God is going to clean us up and he's going to connect us into community because we're made to be part of the body of Christ. So in Christ we are a many, a one body. And each member, listen to this, belongs to one another. Turn to the person next to you say, you belong to me. Okay, now you're allowed to say back, I'm not so sure about that. I haven't decided if I like you. <laughs> You're all right, Lindy. you sat next to Rob. You should like Rob. It should be all right. <laughs> a lot of people end up lone rangers because they got a dream. And here's the thing. We're often fearful of the relational part. And we're often fearful that community will steal the approval we hope to get from destiny. But the place we need to get to in destiny is this. It's not about who gets the accolade. It's is his kingdom built. Let's go do this together. While you live to get credit through activity, you will always end up on the back foot of destiny. The moment you go, it's okay to dive into team. The only way the dreams are going to come about is in community, relationships, and the dirt and the mess of all that. It really isn't straight lines as soon as you've got relationships involved, right? I mean I love a vision document, you know, goal 1, goal 2, goal 3 and all these little pictures. Oh, I love it. It looks so tidy. I feel like I've I fulfilled it just by writing it. Anybody know what I mean? <laughs> Psychologically, that is how you feel when a when a little group meets together to decide on something. A little thing kicks off in your brain just by deciding what your plan is that makes you feel like you've accomplished something. You yeah, haven't accomplished anything. But we walk away going, "Ooh, that was good. We came out with four goals." And most often, because execution is the hard part, nothing ever gets done, but we felt good planning. (laughs) Actually, I think real destiny is fulfilled in the mess of community. We have to give up all the sense of trying to suck something from the activity to give us approval. And we just got to start living for each other and running with God. God. And the things of God. You know, I uh, I really enjoy Revive. I like it. And I'm surrounded by amazing people. I have never had it so easy. I've got a Chris and an Emily and a James. And all of you. And I'm like, you know, there was a time when I started in leadership at Revive where I thought, right, I've got to try and do this. You know, there's a time for putting your vision out there and going for it. But you know what? If the vision is God's, this should be able to be the posture of your heart. You build team. Then you sit back and go, wow, God did it. Look at what we're all doing. God just did it. I am the most stress-free I've ever been. As I sit back and go, you know what? I dreamed in isolation is happening in community. And I've actually found, wow, the rest that our hearts are supposed to find is when we get at home in the house of God and go, listen, in great community it just seems to happen. Somehow Chris has got a bit I haven't gotten. Emily's got a bit I haven't gotten. Matt's got a bit I haven't gotten. We've all got bits of the picture and actually if we dive in instead of living in fear of relationships, if we dive in and go, "What? I'm going to throw my dream in the pot and just let it all become this Beautiful soup. Oh, I like soup. Anyone else like soup? This, This soupy destiny. This glorious stew of something that's on Malcolm's heart. Something that's on Lizzie's heart and something that's on Arthur's heart and we throw it all in the pot and really I've got to be honest who cares who's called leader there's something far more divine than the basic structures of church going on here you throw all the dreams together you give a little stir you develop healthy relationships you grow in God you disciple each other you have a heart to reach out and touch lives and suddenly I believe there's a ooh I can't say it in church a little magic dust that happens and we sit back going wow how did that happen it's like the Lego movie Wow! Some of you haven't got a clue what I just did and said. <laughs> but I don't mind. You need to watch the Lego movie. <laughs> don't try and fulfill in isolation. I don't want someone to touch it. You know, we get a dream and we turn into Gollum. My precious, it's mine. Don't you touch it. And perfectionists, they're, they're the worst. The rows aren't straight. At least they're straight here. They're all battened down. I love it. I'll take it if it's God. I, <laughs> I dare you to put it on speakerphone. <laughs> oh, isn't God good? Destiny's messy. Yeah. Yeah. Flow with it. Yeah. Flow with it. <laughs> we don't have it all sorted out. Lose the fear. Lose the fear when you hit a crisis point. Lose the fear, church, when you're kind of, well, we've got to get this building thing sorted. You go through seasons when actually, listen, if you're in a season when God is holding you back, it doesn't matter how hard you push, you're fighting God. And then when he goes, limitation loose. I actually believe we're in a, t- a time of limitation loosing right now. I, uh, there's a bit of me irritated by all the venue moves that goes on, but I actually feel God's up to something. He's stirring up a pot. And you normally find, listen, turbulence happens above mountains. You know when you're coming to a significant thing on the landscape because turbulence begins to hit your life. The thing to do is not fall into crisis, but to go, right, I need to get my eyes on God. I need to get my ears open. And here's the thing that you do. You never sit and sulk. You keep moving because God is up to something. And I, I actually believe so. Some of us have been meeting as a team because of all the venue movements that have gone on. I have to say Easter morning, guys. I was officially on holiday, so I, I, I turned up and didn't do anything. But the team were outstanding in such a difficult venue, did outstandingly well. Um and then, and then even here, I mean, Chris, mate, it, just well done. Is it, if, if we think it's inconvenient to put a different address in our sat-nav, think how, how inconvenient it is to set up PA in a place you've, you've not been in and sort out kids' work for several different... I have took a little walk out there in the worship. They're doing a fantastic job out there. We're in, now, God allows things to make you strong. And I believe our journey has been about revive, becoming stronger and more grown up. And quite a few actually use this phrase, uh, I go to a different church than I did six years ago. It it is a different church doing a different thing at a different level with a different kind of... It is a different church. But I believe also there's turbulence going on right now, but I believe God is shaking us into the next season.